Wesley Nichols, and I'm the Editor-in-Chief and Associate Publisher of Hydrocarbon Processing and Gas Processing and LNG Publications. And I'd like to welcome all of you to another installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. Today, we have a very special guest joining us today. It's Ron Beck, who is the Marketing and Strategy Director for Aspen Technology. Today, we're going to be discussing the HPI's digital transformation, the self-optimizing plant, and where the industry is heading down in this digital journey. Now, before we do get started, I do want to let you know that you can subscribe to the Main Column podcast by clicking on the subscribe button or by using your smartphone by saying, hey, Google, Alexa, or Siri, subscribe me to the Main Column podcast. So with that, I would like to welcome in Ron Beck. Ron, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Lee. First, of course, we really appreciate your time today and, and for providing some insights on the industry's digital journey. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Okay, so the challenges for refining at petrochemicals, of course, continues, especially with the fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic and, and of course, all of the oil demand shifts. So I'm kind of curious, what do you see as the best ways technology can help in this front? Sure. So that's a good opening question, Lee. Um, Definitely, as everybody knows, the industry has been going through a lot the last five months. Uh, And it's in a bunch of different directions. But I think mainly what it's done is it's accelerated companies and executives thinking about what's happening in the industry. Uh, It's made everybody think now instead of a few years from now about, you know, what's going to happen with the energy transition, what's going to happen as older uh, expert employees retire, um, and also with the uncertainty in supply and demand and the global supply chains. It's really a matter of economic survival for a lot of companies in the industry. So technology is what a lot of executives are turning to as a solution. And really with what the last downturn, I think companies trimmed costs in all the conventional ways. Um, and now they're seeing this time around, really it's a matter of technology really offers the only real way to change, change the business to make it more agile and also cut costs. And, of course, that's a great segue into my next question, which, of course, Aspetag just unveiled its vision and strategy uh, for the self-optimizing plant. So in just a few words, can you kind of explain to the audience what that is and then, of course, why is it important? Yeah, so I think Aspentech about a year ago, maybe a little longer, we looked at two or three key things happening in the industry. The first is some information Uh, presented by several of the uh, major global strategy groups, uh, really ranking the process industries in general and energy in particular as quite far behind the curve compared to other industries in adoption of digitalization, AI, and related technologies. Uh, And the other thing is that... um, that the, you know, there is a lot of uh, opportunity there, fa- very fast technology development. So we, we realized we needed to develop a vision because everybody wanted to change, but nobody really had a vision. Um, and so there's two ways you can go when you, when you innovate technology in an, in an established company like uh, Aspen Tech, who's really an industry leader across the board in all our solution areas. Um, one is sort of incremental development where you develop, come up with new ideas every six months or a year. But the other is to set a future target. So 
we realized it was really time to set a future target because, like I said, customers want to go somewhere, but they, in terms of uh, more automation, more adoption of AI, but there really wasn't a vision. So we s- took together a small group of, of people in the company led by our CEO and um, talked to a lot of customers and created a future vision and then tested it. And now uh, we've announced it a few weeks ago to the public uh, and gotten a really great response so far. But um, we've really mobilized our whole company. It's a way to energize our entire company around future innovation towards a goal that will uh, change the industry. And so, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned mentioned AI um, because I've heard industrial AI and general AI. So I'm kind of curious, what does industrial AI mean? And then how is that different than just say general artificial intelligence? Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's a good good leading question, Lee, um, because, um, you know, coming off of what I just mentioned about the self-optimizing plant, I didn't really define what it is. <laughs> but fundamentally, you know, companies realize that with advanced technologies, AI and things, you can start taking people out of dangerous places and out of the plant. And certainly in commercial settings and insurance, banking, uh, commerce, AI has been big. But in industry, people have been very hesitant about AI because of the risk of explosions, accidents, incidents in the plant, really everything about asset safety and integrity. So what industrial AI does is it takes the knowledge of the industry, the industrial part, the domain expertise, and then it takes the AI part and puts them together in a way that will um, make make the uh, technology very easily adoptable by a, an industry like the process industry. So industrial AI is the merger of domain expertise and advanced analytics and AI um, and the embedding of that AI within uh, industry-specific solutions so that normal workers in that industry can adopt them without having to be uh, you know, fancy data scientists. So yeah, I want to go back to something you said at the very beginning of our of our discussion, and that was on how technology is helping during this time of uncertainty. So I want to talk more in depth about planning. So why is planning so important uh, when it comes to the times like these, especially within our industry? Yeah, so planning is really important um, because it's what happens in a refinery or petrochemical plant on a a uh, monthly and quarterly basis to really set the economic goals for the plant. And so the planners, uh, rightly so, view themselves as crucial in the profitability of a, of an enterprise and oftentimes are accountable pretty closely to the, to the overall plant manager and even the CEO. Uh, but traditionally, there's been an on, uh, uh, you know problem for years. It's sort of known as the difference between the plan and the actual. And so you set a plan and then you never achieve it. And if you miss by a lot, it's the difference between making money that month or losing money that month. Um, And now you add on to that um, huge uncertainties and shifts in demand and supply and prices and costs uh, and different things you want to do in your plant. And the traders are saying, uh, we have an opportunity to buy a really cheap shipment of crude. Should I buy it today? Um, and the planners have to make very fast decisions. So this is a right at the crux of uh, 
you know, uh, the area where technology needs to be introduced the fastest uh, in order to to really um, maximize the economics in this changeable time to increase agility and resilience of a plant. Um, so this was uh, this has been the first area, and we actually just introduced the about a week ago um, something we called Aspen Unified, which ties together the planning with the other operations functions in the plant, the scheduling and the actual optimization and control. So to start bringing that plan very close to the reality and to allow the plan to react very quickly to changing both the changing conditions in the plant and the external conditions. But it's absolutely crucial. If planning is flexible, then the enterprise is flexible. And technology is, is really critical there. Absolutely. Okay, so I want to switch a little bit. Uh, I want to switch focus now um, to, to, of course, a topic that's been pretty crucial in the industry over the last few years. And, of course, that's talent changes in the energy field, especially in this area of, say, knowledge transfer. So I'm kind of curious, uh, are you seeing that in the discussions you're having with your customers? Um, and if so, what are some of the potential solutions? And I, and I would imagine, of course, that technology can be a game changer here. Is that correct? Yeah, so, yes, so the talent the challenge is huge. Uh, maybe some of the readers saw just a few weeks ago a really interesting article in the Wall Street Journal that looked into that. Um, and the, the really the upshot of that article was um, the author was, was arguing that um, recent graduates weren't being attracted to join the energy field just at a time when people were needed. Um, because of, you know, experienced people retiring. So how do you change that? Um, so, I mean, I think uh, back going back a few years, the energy industry was actually viewed as a pretty exciting field to go into. You know, the jobs paid well. Um, but more than that, it, it was sort of a viewed as exciting technology. You get into, you know, whether it's upstream or downstream or chemicals, you're dealing with complex technology, you're solving exciting problems. And I think today, partly because of what I mentioned at the beginning, the industry seen, is seen as a laggard in terms of adoption of technology. So if you're a smart, young, you know, knowledge worker, you don't necessarily pick energy as your first choice. Uh, so, And then the other part is everybody coming into the workforce now is a digital native. So the traditional software solutions in, that are used every day, and you can't separate software technology from any job today. It's part of every job. So if those technologies look old or they're hard to use, it, it sort of leaves uh, you know, a potential new employee a little bit cold. So first of all, so the intuitive nature, the advanced nature, the introduction of things like artificial intelligence, concepts like being able to run parts of a, of a plant autonomously or you know, having what we call the self-optimizing plant um, becomes a really key factor in terms of attracting these new people. But also it's about cutting down the training time. So, you know, lots of studies say take six or seven years for a new worker in the energy field to really become highly productive um, because of the specialized nature of the jobs and the equipment and the processes. So, you know, definitely AI, we're seeing lots of ways where we can use that um, to cut down the time required to really understand the tools people are using. So the workers understand the tools and are presented with the information 
to make more intelligent strategic decisions, you know, way before they've had five or 10 years of experience through these sort of so-called technology assists. Uh, but there's more to it than that. You know, there's fundamental changes in the way people learn. Like you said, knowledge transfer. You know, if you get a new something in the store, a tool or a, let's say you buy a chainsaw, you know, or, or, or a new car or whatever it is. You know, if you're, if you're a, a digital native person, you're much more likely to just go online and look at a YouTube video than read a manual or take a course, right? So um, there's a whole new way of gaining knowledge and, and fields, you know, industries like the energy industry need to, to adopt that and to, you know. So one of the things, for example, in the pandemic, we, we had just started a new, brand new program with electronic certification you know, of, of our software products for people to be able to become certified at different levels of proficiency in these uh, sophisticated tools using, you know, online learning. We decided right away when the pandemic started, uh, our CEO decided we would give away, instead of charging for the certification, we would give it away for an extended period of time. And we had uh, several thousand people, you know, step up and certify themselves as planners we were talking about schedulers apc engineers uh proficiency with our engineering modeling tools and so forth so i think it's it's a game changer technology is totally crucial here i mean all you have to do is look at um what's been happening with distance learning in schools right anybody who has kids you know some teachers have figured out how do we use technology to engage the kids when they're from home and others haven't, and some school systems have, and some school systems haven't, um, and that's the difference between places where the parents are all frustrated with where they're happier um, with this new environment, and it's the same thing with companies. You know, if a company gets behind this and uh, figures out how to make this work for their employees and get them engaged and excited, they're the companies that are going to thrive in this environment. They're going to get the new employees. The employees are going to be motivated and more proficient. And we as a supplier have a huge part in that to provide the advanced ways of learning. And we have put in place groups of people, you know, introducing stuff, doing research on it. How do we better help with knowledge transfer? No, it's absolutely true, especially when you see how early uh, kids get a hold of technology in their hands. I mean, it's, you see, you know, two-year-olds are playing with an iPhone, you know, and they know how to operate it. So. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, I do want to go to another challenge, too, and, of course, that's on sustainability, uh, more specifically on decarbonization. So, of course, this has been a major driver for corporate change in places like Europe. I know we've heard of, of companies like Total and BP and Shell. They're planning to move their companies towards carbon neutrality. So here in the U.S., of course, the optics are a little bit different. So I'm kind of, I kind of want to get your opinion on what are you seeing both in the U.S. and globally uh, on this topic? And then, of course, I'm guessing technology can probably play a huge role here, I'm guessing, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's a very complicated problem for a company. Um, and yes, you know, in Europe and Asia, too, you know, in Asia, interesting, is extremely aggressive on this because, you know, they're highly dependent on tourism. And so the idea of a circular economy and getting rid of plastic waste is huge in, in Asia. 
that affects the chemical industry. Um, but yeah, so yeah, the strategies have been different in the U.S. and in Europe and Asia. So in Europe and Asia, we've been working with companies to put in place sophisticated digital twin dashboards that let them track carbon, you know, carbon uh, emissions and things like that. But fundamentally, in Europe, um, like you said, the companies have pledged to move quickly, and this has really been. You know, their strategies have in large part really been about changing their businesses. So changing where they're investing their large amounts of capital to, let's say, buy into, you know, renewable energy or other sectors that give them a broader energy portfolio beyond just oil and gas. Whereas I think in the U.S., you know, Texas uh, and uh, Colorado and so forth, uh, People are more um, doubling down on how do we, how, you know, how do we maximize our economics from oil and gas, um, because that's more, you know, the the style in the U.S. right now. But I think here, um, it's a more challenging problem actually, because if you're just going to change your carbon footprint by buying new businesses, that's in a way easier. But if you're going to do it by figuring out how do we improve our company. So just take one simple example and let's say just stick with Texas. So, okay, you know, yes, Texas is a, you know, highly pro-energy part of the world. And in fact, you know, the economy is highly dependent on it. The Permian and other places are great resources to develop. But, um, you know, but all at the same time, Texas is a huge outdoor place. You know, people love hunting and fishing. They're huge ranches. Uh, so water becomes is an interesting issue in Texas because water is crucial for things like fracking or an enhanced recovery and and all oil and gas production. But at the same time, you know the same people who are uh, making the energy industry go want clean water resources for for the health of Texas, right? So so I think things like water flaring and things like that become a nexus in the United States. And technology can be huge here, and this is where you can use technology. You know, a lot of you know because it's a complex optimization problem. How do I make the most money off of my resources or out of my refinery, but at the same time um, have you know very positive results in optics uh, in the environment? You know, for the society in terms of what I'm doing with, let's say, Texas's water or how am I reducing flaring in North Dakota or other things like that. So, um, so and here we're, you know, this is where things like digital twin technologies, ability to show the public and to show uh, investors that you're, you are in fact making a lot of progress and you understand how to run things in a clean way are important. Excellent. Well, I only have one more for you. And of course, I need you to put on, uh, I need to take out the crystal ball and, and tell, so what do you see, what's next on the horizon industry? So what, and I guess other things are, what, what other exciting areas is Aspen Tech working on, on today? And then of course, into the future. Okay. So Lee, we touched a couple of times here on uh, AI and things like that. And I'm pretty sure you, you have had and will have other guests talking about AI in the future but um i i want to emphasize one point we don't see um this and we're heavily involved in innovating in the ai and machine learning area we don't see this 
meaning that people come out of the equation. It's just that the, the nature of jobs are going to change. So everybody listening to this podcast who works in the industry, for example, you know, I think the call to action there is to think about making yourself adaptable and to re-educating yourself continuously because the nature of the jobs are going to change. They're going to be more interesting, but they're going to be different. So instead of just being, let's say, an operator who sits there and operates uh, a part of section of a refinery, um, you're going to be more of a strategic worker looking at what the data is telling you the plant is doing to react to different situations and looking at more strategic choices that the company can and should be making within that asset or across assets to make money. You know, maybe, so that's one way things are going to change. But I go back to the vision I talked about, about the self-optimizing plant. So for us, one of the exciting things about this vision is it gives us a lot of things to do in the next few years. And we believe it allows us to innovate even more fast because we know where we're going. We have a vision. We want to give companies uh, the intelligent tools to run intelligent plants that get the most out of those plants uh, in the safest way possible with the use of technology. So I think there's a huge number of, of exciting things that are kind of come out there. And, you know, Aspentech has always been known as a company with discipline and execution. That's why the industry trusts us. And what the self-optimizing plant does is it gives us a whole innovation focus to both innovate rapidly but do it with discipline and execution. So I don't see us deviating a lot from this, um, you know, uh, self-optimizing plant vision. It's a vision for the next five to ten years for us to develop against. But you'll see even within, uh, you know, three to four weeks of this this uh, podcast coming out, Lee, um, we're going to be introducing into the market a really important, exciting new technology called hybrid modeling, which is going to be a huge practical set of technologies that demonstrate this industrial AI I've been talking about. So that's going to, I think it's going to take the industry one to two to three years to really understand how important and exciting this is and how to really use it to make money and to innovate uh, and to change their, their uh, plant. Uh, but I think that's uh, for us, the exciting thing coming in the next few years. Excellent. Well, yeah, we definitely can't wait to hear more about that, of course, when y'all unveil it. So uh, definitely keep us in the loop on that one. Uh, well, that was that's pretty much the time we have today. Today, Ron, again, we really want to thank you for your time today, especially on, on giving us some of your expertise on digital technologies and the HPI and, of course, how Aspertech is optimized in operation. So we really sincerely appreciate your time. Um, Lastly, of course, we really want to thank all of you for listening to another installment of Hydrocarbon Processing Podcast, The Main Column. Podcast, The Main Column.